Hearts and buttholes, it's an opening. Let's open together. Our guest today is near to my heart and sometimes my butthole. Hey! <laughs> He's my husband, Zach Plemons. And if you haven't listened to the second episode entitled The Opening, the live event, I would go ahead and listen to that first before you jump into this one. So you'll have more context. Um, just a little intro for him. He was born in 1977 to a bunch of mountain people. Not a bunch. There was two people, not a whole bunch. But <laughs> um, um, And his mother died when he was nine and had a bunch of traumatic events happening. Let's just say he was born into sort of an abusive environment and suffered some traumas. Um, including going to Bob Jones Elementary in Greenville, South Carolina, which is a majorly fundamentalist um, or you know, school. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. If you know about it, you know. Um, he was kind of a crazy kid. He started drinking. He was around 14 and started playing the, the bass guitar around that age and was in lots of different bands, um, including a uh, Christian band called Age of Faith. They were, you know, big time. They were, uh, you know, on the Billboard charts and attended the Dove Awards. <laughs> if you know anything about that, you'll laugh. Um, there's also a music video out there if you want to look that up, Age of Faith, on YouTube. Um, he also played with Brian McGee in the Hall of Speed and Black Eyed Dog and recorded lots of albums. And, um, he had a illustrious career there. Um, he had cancer when he was 22, thyroid cancer. Um, and we met in 2005, we met in 2005 at a friend's mutual party, um, uh, where he was wearing an outfit that looked like he was trying to look like Nikki six and <laughs> except his t-shirt, um, was a Harley David t-shirt, but the writing of the Harley Davidson was in Thai because he had gotten it in Thailand when he went on a missions trip with his church, which was quite hilarious to me at the time. Um, we met and it was hot and heavy and we got married the next year and then had Ruby, our daughter in 2008. Um, and he, uh, started, um, having issues with addiction earlier on, but didn't, he was a kind of a functioning alcoholic for a while, functioning as in quotes. Um, and the shit didn't really hit the fan with his addiction until 2012 when I discovered some things in the basement. Um, and then the next year I found out in 2013, actually it was months, a few months later that um, I found out that he was uh, having an affair and those were fun times for us. He started going to, therapy and going to um, his 12-step group um, consistently. And um, that's just a small glimpse into his struggle, his struggles with substance abuse, um, infidelity and shame. And he's going to share with us um, his healing journey and how he has found some sense of self-love and self-respect through these different ways of um, being vulnerable with other people and with himself. 
and I'm excited for you to hear his Appalachian accent and for you um, to witness what it's like to um, suffer from the disease of addiction. Thanks for listening to this. There we go. All right, Robin. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, Melanie. Hi, Robin. We're so glad to be back. Thanks yes. for listening. We have an extra special guest today for extra. us. Um, and he, it's uh, coming off of our last um, episode. Episode, yes. Which was the live recording. The live recording. Um, and so the most natural guest, I think, would be uh, Jason Siegel. Mm-hmm. We right. got him here. He's here. Thank you Jason so much Siegel. for coming, Thanks Jason. Thanks for coming, Jason. Say hello. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> He's not here. Uh, maybe later. Maybe. Um, no, Zach Plemons is joining us today on Hearts and Buttholes. Welcome, Woo! Zach Plemons. Hi. Say hello, hello to the people on the internet. People. Internet. Hello. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for being here, Zach. Thank you. I'm going to try and stay in my lane. Stay on your side. And let, and let you just Do we need to get a taser yourself. that we can yes. use on you? Okay. Oh, you can't. You hold it. Why I do you will. want to taste me? That's another episode, y'all. I'm not, <laughs> we're not doing couples counseling today. <laughs> you want to taste me. That's fine. You can taste me. All right. Let's jump right into it. So I might want to taste me. Oh, you like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's jump right into it. Name your top three traumas. Go. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Three? No, my top ten. Top um, ten traumas. You do have that many. Let's see. Oh, uh, number no, three. We're, we're no. Oh, Where we? You actually don't have to yeah. answer that question. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I don't think we need to start with that. Let's start with something a little easier. Okay. Let's, okay. let's ease our way in. Remember, <laughs> this is about some ease. Taking a breath. Right. Okay. Let's take a deep breath, everybody. All right. Um. When was the last time you laughed at yourself? I laugh at myself at least at least once a day. So probably, I don't think I've laughed at myself this morning. So probably yesterday. Audibly Maybe. laughing at yourself? Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah? Do you remember what it was? No. No? Can you think of a time recently that you do remember what you laughed at yourself about? We want a little nugget. A little nugget. Yeah, we do. Am I laughing at myself because I think I'm funny, or am I laughing at myself because I do something so embarrassing? That either, either one, either, either one. Um, good clarifying question. Mm-hmm. Usually, I will crack up and laugh at myself when I realize I'm being so ridiculous and putting on a thick Appalachian accent mm-hmm. that I normally talk with. Like I can ham that up and. There's another level. To another level. Gotcha. Yeah, to Madison yeah. County and instead of just Buncombe County. Goes from Buncombe to Madison. Yes. <laughs> Some of the foul things that come out of my mouth, mm. followed by Robin here saying, what the fuck's wrong with you, is usually when I laugh at myself. Gotcha. They'll say something really absurd, and I'll say, you're disgusting. Gotcha. Yeah. That's yeah. my daily goal. Yeah. Speaking of accents, I will name that. So I <clears throat> I tend to pick up, at, like, when I'm around people who have strong accents, I'll start mimicking them without realizing it. Yeah. So this will be interesting to see if my southern accent comes out. It's going to evolve. It, when I lived up north, like, I would, like, 
kind of pair it's weird like I'm not really aware that I'm doing it maybe it's like some sort of weird codependent thing that like I'm trying to make everybody <laughs> like me but um so yeah I'll be curious to hear if my little twang comes out it's and it's not making fun it's just like I'm I really just start, hope for that yeah we'll see me too I might I might have just I hope it goes away okay, no maybe we can switch maybe okay hi I'm Zach how do you do me He's, he's terrible at accents. Yeah. It's like, do an Irish. And he's like, uh, okay. not a good accent. No. Yeah. So we have another question for you. What's it? What's your, what's a guilty pleasure you're into yeah, recently? Xbox. Xbox? Yeah. A, any game in particular? Sn- uh, Sniper Elite 4. Sniper Elite 4. Is yeah. that one of those shooting games? Yes. <sighs> well, we're not judging you. Good. I mean, I'm secretly judging you. I okay. am. But... Well, she does it. Audibly I guess we did say guilty pleasure. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's disgusting because it's very graphic. It yeah. is. I don't okay. like it. But he doesn't play it around the kids. No. But it's for you. And that's what's, I think we get to have our guilty pleasures. That's exactly what it's for. Okay. He's, I don't like all that stuff. He's just got some internalized anger. Yeah. Just a little bit. Maybe. And, and you know, also like uh, ballistics and stuff like that. So, but. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it for him for Christmas because, oh. you know, he'd been working so hard and really deserved, you know, something fun. And now he is in love with it, which I guess is to be expected, right? It'll lose its shininess. shininess. Maybe, maybe not. Thank you. Okay, let's see. The next one is it's serious. Are you ready? Here we go. Mm. What does progress and healing look like for you hmm well progress looks like um not staying in one spot for an extended period of time like for instance i think the most progress uh i can see is my employment record before school and then after school, hmm. you know, I was struggling to keep jobs that paid okay, and now I'm like climbing the ladder. But that's progress. That means I've evolved some somewhat or become better at what I'm doing. Um, and does that feel like it's directly linked into some of the work you've been doing on yourself as being able to stay in, you know, find those jobs and yeah, stay in them? And yeah, definitely. Before I was not employable, mm-hmm. even you know, um, my work ethic was horrible, and now it's like totally not horrible. So, <laughs> some might even say good, yeah. or is that too? We're not ready yeah. to say it's good yet. Well, well, I, got, I was can I brag on you for a second? Work ethic, y'all. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. just doing it, yeah. Because your bosses have been saying things like you're punctual and dependable and thorough and things that I would not have, uh, adjectives that I would not have used to describe you, you know, like seven years ago. True. That That's progress. Yeah. And yeah. So what about healing? What does healing look like for you? Um. This looks like for me, like taking, I, I guess, being able to 
get the fertilizer out of the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How do you do that? Very carefully. Very carefully. <laughs> um, I'm trying to uh, trying to think of any instance I can possibly think of quickly to yeah put a exact situation on what healing looks like. Um, to me, it looks like not hating myself as much as I did mm-hmm. yesterday, or yeah, or last year, or six years ago, or whatever. Yeah. If I can maintain a constant upward um, trajectory of being okay with myself, that's healing. I love that. To me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That seems to be getting better. I haven't haven't locked down and cursed myself out in a while, so. But I could. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, next. What? Are we done with that one? <laughs> no, I really liked your answer. Thank you. Okay, cool. Good. So you were at the recording of our event. Yes, I was. Yeah. Of our event. Yes. And I just was curious. Um, how did my hair look that day? How what I'm curious <laughs> about. Freaking fabulous. That is the correct answer, yeah. Zach Plummer. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that too. Your hair looks it doesn't good. matter as much from you. It matters more from Zach. Yes. You know. No, I'm just kidding. What is something that you would like for people to know about addiction? That it... Um, does not discriminate. Um, it's not your fault. So, I think the thing that's helped me deal with mine the most is is remembering that it's not my fault and to uh, try to give myself a break on stuff because especially not getting stuff right and perfect because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, uh, especially now that I'm clean, Hmm. that and that's an ever-evolving issue. It probably becomes, yeah, I like to I like to do certain things perfectly. There's certain things that, yeah, okay, whatever. But, and sometimes they're the weirdest things. But, um, no, it's not, not my fault. I'm an addict. It's not your fault if you're an addict. And... And for the people that find themselves doing the same terrible things to themselves uh, and, and still in denial that I don't have a problem, uh, it took me a long time to. I knew I had a problem. I just didn't want to admit it. Yeah, I probably knew I had a problem long before I even thought about admitting to it because I was just like, hey. I can, I can deal with this. I can deal with this. Was that part of it? Is that feeling like you could deal with it, but also like, was there an awareness on your part of what would I, if I was going to admit that I had a problem, like what would there 
like who would there be to help me or what would there be to help me? Or was that even on your radar? No, I mean, yeah, it was on my radar. Um, because before we met, I had been, well, I'm not going to use the word rehab. I'm going to use the word, uh, a place to dry out. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> and, um, as one of the fellow residents of that particular facility, uh, put it to get an oil change. Mm. Because I needed a break, I was, I was saturated with substances, and uh, and at that point, my life had spiraled out of control as far as it was going to go at that point, mm -hmm. and I needed a break from um, being the trash can that I was. How old I, were you then? Uh, you know this was like the spring before I met Robin, so 27. Mm -hmm. Um. And I've been on a pretty hard run for years. Um, and finally, I knew I, I was pretty much screwed when, when my dad noticed that I was getting hammered all the time mm -hmm. because, God bless him, he, he wasn't the quick, quickest one to notice anything. So it's like when you he know. noticed your yeah, like, it, yeah, obviously there's something going on. Shit, Dad picked up on it, man. Um, yeah, he called me out on on just being fucked up, and I was like, "Oh Lord, well he's gonna kick me out, so I need to do something." Um, so he dropped me off an hour and a half away from home. I'm not gonna say which direction, but uh, a nice little place. Uh, nice. Um, that's sarcasm. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't very nice. It was okay. Better than the street. Better than the street. Better than the street. Um, but you weren't there very long. No, I, I was not. I was miserable. I felt like I felt like shit uh, for about two days, and then I called my dad. Two, two or three days, I think. On the third day, I think my sister sprung me out of there. But Had you ever been to an NA or AA meeting before no, that? No. So you didn't start going to any types of meetings until... Until after I got back. After you got back, you started going to... That's right. Yeah, I did. Because then your sponsor tried to sell you a vacuum cleaner. Yes. <laughs> As all good sponsors do. Because, yeah. yeah. He had um, relapsed and needed money. So he, needed, oh, he was gosh, trying to yeah. sell. It was sad. Yeah, it was. And then one person that I had picked out to help guide me through my program had also relapsed and wanted me to come get high with him. Mm. So rough. Like, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, what? Nah. So when you're trying to get help and get support, and then there's adversity. Yeah. I mean, all. there's no program that doesn't have the wolves. Well, we're human, right? Like, yeah. We've all fucked up. Yeah. And all those, you know, people that um, fall under the term addict, um, you know, once they, I'll, I'll bring back to myself, if I, if I go get fucked up, there's a good chance that I'm not coming back Yeah. for a week or a month or, you know, um, 
maybe ever. Who knows? So, I don't know why bother taking that risk. But, I mean, what addicts do? They use fucking drugs. So it's like, and if they're not wanting to stay clean or putting in the work that that they need to do to stay clean, they're probably not going to stay clean. And if they do, they're going to be miserable. Um, because what really has helped me is actually applying the program that I'm working and working steps and, and not um, not just going to meetings and say, okay, well, I went to a meeting, so I'm good now. Um, try to work that stuff they're talking about into existence, into my, at least part of it. I mean, I don't do a perfect program. Nobody does, but it's like I've taken the parts that help keep me clean and use them, and they felt me stay clean. And just a desire not to throw all the shit that I've accomplished out the window. It's like sometimes that's not enough to keep somebody clean, but um, when you put as much work into it as – is I feel like I've had I, that becomes another incentive to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been kicked out of the house plenty of times for my using house. Drugs. Yeah, kicked out of our house. I've kicked you out. Yeah, several times. Many for times. Using drugs. Yeah, she knew I was using them. She said, you gotta go. You gotta go. And you know, since I did listen to the podcast last night before I went to bed. Oh, sweet um, dreams, right? <laughs> sweet dreams. Um, you know, it was like some of the stuff that was said was like, uh, you know, the whole shaming your addict into compliance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Um, you know, don't you? Yes. Yes, I love you, but I need some drugs. Yeah. And that sounds so messed up, but. That's the mentality. That's the when if I get on a bender, it's like I'm not doing it. You know, I never did anything. Well, never did too much for spite. I'm sure I got a little spiteful. Did you? Yeah. That's cute. I'm sure I did. <laughs> That's real cute. Um, but it was more about me. Because everything yeah. was about me. Right. You have like blinders on. It's yeah. just about you and getting a fix or getting to feel better or getting out of the pain you're in in that moment. Yeah. Then that's all it was a, yeah. ever about. I don't like myself where I'm at. I'm going to put this shit in to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And it might make me feel better for 30 minutes. And then again, it might just make me feel worse. And I need something else to make me feel better. And it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. My self-loathing and shame cycle happening. Oh, yeah. Nothing but. Nothing but the best. When you were growing up, did you, how did you see people, whether it be kind of your immediate family or just friends or people in your community, like dealing with things? Did you see people dealing with things? No. Yeah. I would imagine I'm going to make some assumptions about kind of southern mm-hmm. communities of just like you put on a face and you go to yeah. work and you get it done and they don't talk about shit yeah. because nobody in my family talks about shit yeah um you know we have to have a almost an act of god and a, and, and 
intervention at the same time to even talk about something semi-serious. Yeah. And it's like most most everything is surface conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, how's the weather? Well, look outside. How do you think it's doing? <laughs> or talking about each other. Or talking about not having direct conversations. Behind each other's backs. And that's never been a, you know. It's not constructive. I never got a good lesson on how do I talk about my feelings? Right. Yeah. You're not seeing it in any examples. Because we didn't yeah. use feeling words. Yeah. Nobody was modeling that for you. No. You know, I never saw my parents fight. I never saw my parents argue with each other. But um, did you see them having like, on the flip side, did you see them having like sweet? Not at all. Yeah, I think that's Sweet what's so fascinating is people say, oh, I never saw anybody fight. But then it's but like, well, did you see them doing anything that was emoting at all? Yeah. Not, not, not that I can remember. Yeah. Um, that makes a difference, too. And I don't remember much. I, I remember mom being somewhat affectionate toward me, somewhat. Mm-hmm. You know, um, also, she, she was one who believed firmly in corporal punishment. Yeah. Um, a good backhand to the mouth would keep me from spouting off its mouth. Um, a good whooping, good old southern ass whooping, would work wonders. Depending on what kind of wonder you were looking to work. But yeah. Um, so I got a lot of those mm-hmm. too. Um, so did she. So did she. Her mother. I mean, it, it did go up the family tree. I'm sure, yeah. She came from a totally popped up family. Um, so I, you know. But she was and, also sick. So it was like this strange, yeah. like mm-hmm. you wanted your mother yeah. to love you, but she was hitting you and she was also sick. And <laughs> do you feel like, Zach, do you feel like you are breaking a pattern in your family? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I'm sure I'm passing some sort of unhealthy. Um, right. something, if we have passed on something, yeah. Self worth and, and all that from because I am a lot like my father. Will you take me back for a minute? I asked you about do you feel like you're kind of changing a trajectory in your family? And I'm curious about that because I think that selfishly, I, I think about that for myself or just kind of the healing work that a lot of us are doing at this point and kind of. I really believe our parents and their parents and their parents did the best that they could. And even with that shit goes wrong. And so it's like, what is it like for us to acknowledge that, to see that, and then try to change something within our family system to do a little better. That doesn't mean we don't fuck up, but. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we don't physically put our hands on our kids to uh, try to change their behavior. That's a big Unless one. We need to grab them and steer them in a different direction from sure. like getting run over by a car or <laughs> try, you know, if one of my kids tried to punch me in the face, I, I would definitely put my hands on them so they would be able to do such. Cause I don't like getting punched in the face. That's fair. Um, some people do not one of those people. Problem. I mean, uh, <laughs> don't tell my secrets. <laughs> But um, by not, and this is where it gets kind of weird, uh, by not doing that, I wonder 
if things sometimes I quickly think I wonder if things would be better if I did. Hmm. I wonder if if I smacked the piss out of this kid right now, if they would stop that behavior. Because I get that's, that. Yeah, that's what that's what stopped mine. Mm-hmm. I would change my behavior. It might not get turned to better behavior. Right. It would stop it in the moment for sure. But the behavior would definitely stop. Yeah. Well, then what happened though? I mean, what leads to if we? Yeah, because I just keep thinking of like the under, it wasn't really underlying. It was shame. Like your family system, there was so much shame compounded by religious shame and stay in line and do what you're supposed to do and turn or burn and a lot of shame going on. Get right or get left. So, I mean, this has been like. You said that t-shirt. What you had that t shirt? Yeah, get right or get left. Get right or get left. So cute. Did you wear that in your band? Was no. that at the same time? No, okay. no, he was still picking up ladies when he was in age mm-hmm. He's always picked up ladies. Speaking of picking up ladies, oh, <laughs> oh. do you uh. like that segue? Um, we touched on your infidelity stuff yeah. at our live event. I did, yeah, I mean, you did, yeah. Um, and my question for that is how do you combat that shame? Um, how do, how do I combat that shame? Or any shame. doesn't have to be that specific shame. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there, there was... That, that's probably hands down the most shameful event of my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, combat that shame. Uh, very, I had to figure out how to do it. And I've done enough work on shame and therapy and that I can, you know, that's been almost seven years ago. And it's been within the last two years that I've been able to think about it and not get sick to my stomach mm. um, and not hate myself all over again. And it's like the progress thing, right? If you hate yourself yeah. a little less than the day before. Yeah. And it took like yeah. Yeah. a good, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to think about it. I wanted to shut it out and, and I knew it wouldn't do me any good to act like it never happened because like I just said, worst thing I ever did, worst worst fuck up in a long line of fuck ups for Zach. I mean that was the King Daddy. Uh that's the one that did the most damage to those around me and me. Because I was one of those guys that said, well, you know, then shit could get bad but I'll never do this. Hmm. And then shit could get bad and I'll never do this. And you know, well, shit might get bad, but, and that was the top, that was the top tier of shit I'll never do, and so I went downward spiral with, uh, well, I did that, so I'm a piece of shit. Um, Which just reinforces addiction other things behavior, yeah, like. That felt like I was a piece of shit, and I called myself a piece of shit, and I acted like a piece of shit, and there's a pattern here. Yeah. Um, so, 
I think some time and, and and I really didn't, you know, I really didn't get into addressing those issues right away. I was just trying to live with them, mm-hmm. you know, for the first few years. I didn't really want to talk about it. Didn't really want to do any work on it because it was too raw. Um, didn't really know how I, you know, how to differentiate, differentiate my, my feelings of shame, guilt. Uh, okay, well, um, and, and that's something that comes along with being, you know, being an addict too. Is most feelings in the beginning just came out as anger. Mm. And I didn't know how to be sad. It was angry. I didn't know how to be um, remorseful. It was, I'm a piece of shit and I'm angry at myself. So the anger would be towards yourself, not necessarily out towards other people? Everybody. Or everybody, <laughs> including yourself. Yeah, Mostly myself. Yeah. That's where it was stemming from. Mm-hmm. It was, I didn't like, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't love myself very well. Yeah. I loved myself to try to keep myself a lot enough to try to keep myself alive. Mm. But that's not really. Yeah. Self love. That's that's self survival or maintaining. Yeah. Maintaining maintaining that existence so I could continue hating myself. Mm. Um. And you know all that stemmed from. <laughs> That place you mentioned, well, not all of it, but a good bit of it stemmed from my childhood and religious affiliations. And, you know, that was going to be the number one uh, of my top three traumas was <laughs> um, the chapel service where they blew the trumpet at the end of the service to scare the shit out of all of us. And I had a heart attack. They were like preaching, you know, third graders. End of time's coming. Jesus is coming back. And if you don't get right, you'll get left. Amen. Honk. And, and the trumpet will tr- sound like the apocalypse because the heavens yeah. are going to open up and then the bees will come down. Yeah. Like just All that scaring. Stuff. And then at the back of the auditorium, someone blew a trumpet at the end of the, the, Hit the assembly. God. And you were like, heart. what, nine years old? Seven, eight, nine, something like that. Six, uh, seven, eight, nine, something Nine or ten, yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. I think I think <laughs> I was yeah. Fuck. They gave me like like royal panic attacks for years to come. Around I can church understand. And, yeah. Anything. And the church I went to at the time was was a, a feeding a, a feeding pool, if you want to call it that. All the people that went to that church also went to that school. Right. It just was such a. So it was a continuation of was of, everywhere. <laughs> Hellfire and damnation and air's too long or sin in your heart. If you don't wear a belt, you're going to hell. If you don't wear a belt, you're going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm going to never wear a belt. I'll wear a belt, but it ain't just because I don't want to go to hell. It's because I don't want to show my ass in public. Aww. What's, What's your relationship like with spirituality at this point? Do you have a relationship with like a higher power or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's different than it used to be, of course. Less, I mean, less fire and brimstone, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a time like 
right before I quit going to organized church altogether, that we went to a church that was really accepting and, and helpful. And it was almost just the polar opposite of Bob mm. Jones and all the other Baptist churches I've ever been to. Um, that they were like, okay, well, we're, you know, we're all children of God and, and very accepting and it's more like a coaching session than church. <laughs> when the body? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the music was cool and I didn't feel judged. And I think part of my um, former pious self felt like, well, I'm not as fucked up as these people. Hmm. So here's a good spot for me. Yeah. When I was, I'm just fucking up for everybody else. <laughs> I realized that later on. I yeah. was like, wait a minute. I'm, I was just like y'all. Yeah. Uh, maybe that attitude might have lasted for for a little bit. Um, and, and back to the whole healing question. I think mm-hmm. healing also changed our attitude toward, mm. it just changed my attitude toward a lot of people. Um, hmm. I used to, I, whether or not I acted like I would judge somebody from the outside, yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't do that? We're all judgmental creatures. Yeah. Um, compare my insides to your outsides and see what happens. Never a good thing to do. Are we still recording? Here we are still okay. recording. And so. I can't remember the original question. What you were talking about healing, and that was part of a change in the attitude. Like as, right. as you've gotten further in your healing journey, it sounds like you're going to say that your judgments are a little different or a little. They worse. are, yeah. Um, especially, you know, they need to they need to be with the type of work I'm doing mm-hmm. with the juvenile population. Yeah, and those are the ones that. Um, are in trouble and are starting out making them mistakes to land them in prison. Mm-hmm. So like, just to clarify, Zach is um, you're working. You graduated with a degree in criminal justice, and now yes. you're working with juveniles that are in the system. That are in the system. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. Are you yeah. working just with boys, or are you working with co- okay? Yeah. How um, do you think? For you, how do you think? your gender plays a role in how you have accessed or not accessed help or felt like you could ask for help. Do you feel like being a man and kind of having the expectations of quote unquote, what it means to be a man has deterred you or kind of gotten in the way of you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I figured, but I wasn't, I'm trying to. Keep... Of course it has. I mean, yeah. In that old school Southern, yeah. Well, if it ain't falling off, we don't need to go to right. doctor. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean, we don't. And and vulnerability. That's one thing I put in my notes last night. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference in vulnerability and weakness. Mm. You know, men mostly view them as equals, and they're exact. I, I think they're opposites. You know, it's like hmm. I think the weakness is when you don't open up and you think you can do the shit yourself and you just wind up fucking dying from it um, because 
you felt like it'd make you some sort of pansy or something to ask for help. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's a, it's a common male attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, don't ask for help. It'll make you look weak. Yeah. And weakness is for sissies. And yeah. well, you don't want to be a sissy, do you? Well, if it means I'm going to survive and get healthy, sure. Um, but I still find myself going into that whole. Uh, do I need Do I need help with this, or mm. or should I ask for help? Can I do this on my own? Do yeah. I need help? Yeah. I mean, I've got three things I need done in two hands. Do I ask for help, or do I struggle and curse and beat shit up and? Uh, break it what it is I'm working on because I don't want to ask for help. Sort of stubborn too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure my gender has played a role, and in, in I mean, played a role in what? How far my addiction progressed, or how far anything progresses, or or just yeah. I mean that, and I just think about. I think it's hard for anyone to access therapy in a lot of ways or help because we live in a culture that's very much about like diminishing what we're going through. But I definitely think because, and this is very stereotypical, I realize there are lots of gradations with this, but I think stereotypically women probably talk about things a little more access, talk into a therapist a little more easily. And so not necessarily the addiction piece, but then from that realizing you needed help and being willing to like go and seek that out. I imagine there are some barriers to that specific part because you're not supposed to ask for help. Right. Yeah. Or you're not supposed to talk about your feelings or yeah. I mean, even if I don't talk about them constantly or regularly, um, not talking about them is bullshit and that'll kill you. Yeah. That's what I've, cause that can't, I mean, what was I, what was I hiding with the copious amounts of substances mm-hmm. that I ingested on many occasions that very easily I could have gone to sleep and not woken up. What what was that all about? Yeah. It was covering up those feelings that I'm inadequate and I'm fucked up and I'm, you know, less than, and I'm, I need help, but I'm going to look like a pansy if I ask for help, so I'm just going to get fucked up and forget about it. Yeah. Um, so what was your rock bottom? Which one? <laughs> That's a good answer. There's lots of rock bottoms. There's not always just one major. No. Yeah. My rock like, bottom. This is the worst. I wanted things to change. I'm going to do something different. With the drugs, it was a series of. Yeah, it was a series it was a of series. Of, okay, well, uh, I'm on my bottom right now, but where in the hell is that shovel at? Because I'm gonna keep digging. Mm-hmm. Um, so, come up for air, grab the shovel, go back down, and dig some more. Um, I think one of the the worst feelings I had was uh, was that one weekend where I was in charge of our baby girl. And and she was having to wake me up because mm. I was so out of it. And it didn't occur to me at that time 
but it was what's brought to my attention that, well, you could have died and left our daughter alone. Um, yeah, that yeah. hurt. That, that sucked. And I was like, all right, now I need to get serious. I quit fucking around and I need to get clean because I'm going to fucking die if I don't. Um, and I've heard a lot of other people say the same thing because why'd you get clean? Because they didn't want to die. Hmm. Um, so anytime that part of me wants to get fucked up again, I'm like, remember that? Yeah, you remember how bad that sucked? You don't want to do that again. Why would you want to do that again? And at least I've got that versus the, the other voice that says, oh, this will make everything better. Right. Um, rock bottoms. We can go switch to the other side and, and I'll ask you, like, what are the things that you're most grateful for now? Uh... Progress um, mm-hmm. that I don't hate myself and that you don't hate me, and I got a job and people like me, and people actually say things about me like, Oh, he's dependable. Because I mean, I didn't lose my job because of drug use, I lost my job because of an addict, mm-hmm. and not directly. The problem wasn't with the drugs. The problem was something in me that, because I'd been, I'd been clean for nine months when I lost lost a job. I worked five years using, you know, and that that there says something. Yeah. Like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't the drugs that was a problem. <laughs> um, I'm grateful. I don't, I don't have to worry about that, you know. Not being at just being such a piece of shit that I'm gonna lose my job because um, I, I my work ethic sucks and you know um, I'm grateful I didn't grateful I didn't die yeah yeah I am too personally I'm, yeah. personally glad you didn't die yeah because I mean I'd be missing all this. That's good time right here. That's good times. Yeah. Next question. What? <laughs> How has this been to talk about some of this? And knowing that it's, of course, it's been good. It's been different. Not as daunting of a task as I thought it would be. Great. I figured. Um, some more uncomfortable questions were going to come out and if you're holding back on them let them go now come on I don't have any more uncomfortable questions yeah. Melanie's very gentle she's tender she's really good at what she does yeah I can believe that yeah well oh, thank you the hard questions come once the microphone's turned off that. One. so one last question for you yes when you are feeling there's a lot of shit going on in our worlds and there's also a lot of shit going on personally in our worlds, right? When you're feeling down, what is something that you do that helps you regain a little bit of hope or faith or 
whatever word you want to use just to feel a little bit better about how things are going. Hmm. Well, about how things are going. It can be personally or globally or whatever, but just something that helps you feel a little better. Um, take a nap. I seriously, I think we could all benefit from like uh-huh. just rest more. Yeah, introducing like a, re- a I think what I don't do is I don't watch the news that often. Yeah, me neither. Um, yeah, because I feel bad enough. You know, I feel apprehensive enough about what is going on in the world and. Um. Yeah, you know, I've just gotten to the point where I, I just don't really watch the news. If I want to catch up, I'll hit a few internet news sites and mm-hmm. just see what the different spills on the headlines are, see what the different uh, angles are, and be like, oh, well, I hope it doesn't get any worse than that. Yeah. And then um, you go take a nap. And then I go take a nap, or I'll play some video games. <laughs> Yeah. Or you go catch a meeting. Huh? You go catch a meeting. Yeah. Well, yeah, it just depends on Yeah. how it is that whatever it is that hits me. Yeah. You know, if I'm at a function that is serving a lot of alcohol mm. and everybody but me is drinking, I damn right I'm going to go catch a meeting as soon as I get that. Ah, I feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Need a break. Yeah, I'll go sit an hour and sit for an hour and, and listen and communicate with other people that have the same issues. Some of the same issues, some more. Some of us are sicker than others. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like grounded again. Mm-hmm. And I can go out and do something else or return to the scene where I was, came from with a new mindset. Gotcha. So I I just wanted to um, tell you how wonderful it's been to watch you grow as a person. Um, (laughs) It it feels like a miracle, and I said that in our last one, that, you know, that we have both acknowledged the depths of our um, mind fuckery as it is my codependency and our heartbreak together and separately. And, um, I just applaud your courage and even talking about it and also just your courage and wanting to continue to work on yourself. And you you keep showing up for yourself. I go into meetings and taking that stuff seriously. And, um, it's, uh, it really melts my butter when you're vulnerable like this. Oh, wow. So maybe we should, we should just go mm-hmm. make out right now. Um, guys. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Do you want to respond to that? You, you yeah. don't have to respond to that. Thank if you, you. You can say whatever you want to say. But, um, Thank if you there's... for the copious dose of love there. I appreciate that. It does get kind of uncomfortable sometimes to take compliments, but mm-hmm. I'm working on it. You receive it. I receive it. 
May not look like I do, but I do. You're receiving it right now. Um, Is there something else that you'd like to say? Sure. No, actually. Yeah, I just wanted to encourage other people that have made huge mistakes in their life to not count themselves as uh, out or, or, okay, I'm fucked now. Because you can come back from it. Hmm. And, you know, it starts with, you know, the way it started with me was it had to start with me, not about anybody else. It's about me. It sounds selfish, but, you know, it, it's about you know, a lot of the way we treat other people and the decisions we make come from the way we feel about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if I'm feeling shit about myself, I'm going to make shitty decisions. Um, if I hate myself, it's going to look like I hate you. Um, and I'm sure it looked like that for a long time with, with you. Um, but that was all because I hated myself. Um, all that, those terrible decisions I made were based in self-loathe and the miracle is I don't really make that many bad decisions anymore because, you know, I didn't take a pill and get cured or you know, it just comes from self-work and looking at the shit you don't want to look at and trying to try not to do that shit anymore. Try not to, you know, trying to find out where the bad decision, you know, okay, I might decide to do this because I really don't like myself. It's probably not a good decision. Um, probably not. Probably not going to benefit you, especially if you've done it before and it didn't benefit you last time. Right. Um, and that goes for, you know, all kinds of addictions and, you know, relationship issues. Um, yeah, there's always hope, but it always starts with on the inside mm -hmm. rather than. Yeah. Just ask for help. Yeah. You named, you used the word selfish. And I think that that's a word that has multiple meanings. And I think there's a very, very healthy way of being selfish. Yeah. And I think that that is, you know, it's the old adage of like, put your own mask on first on the plane. You can't, yeah, you yeah. can't show up for everybody else if you don't show up for yourself first. And it's a, it's definitely a, a balancing act of not, solely turning the light inward, you know, you want to have both, but I think so much of what I see in my own personal work and then in my professional work is just like the importance of people making time for themselves and it being okay and being selfish in a really healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and being our first official guest and being so open and well, thanks for having me, and I hope you can use part of this. <laughs> <laughs> we can use plenty of it. And I'm going to um, make you a little uncomfortable for a minute. Okay. That's okay. Do I have oh, your God. consent? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's really, um, I really appreciate your vulnerability, and I appreciate you showing up. And, you know, after after the event that we had, you came up to me, and you didn't really say much, but you just gave me a hug. And it just, 
you have such a sweetness and a kindness in you and it really shows and I really appreciate that about you and I'm really feel very honored to get to hear more of your story and um yeah so thank you for for opening up a little more well thank you for allowing me to yeah thanks for letting me share no (laughs) oh let's all just hug and cry that's what we say at meetings thanks for letting me share Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, babe. Thanks, babe. And thanks for listening, audience. Yes, thanks for joining us again. We really appreciate all your support. We um, are excited to keep talking to different people about their healing journeys. And if you have any questions or thoughts or just want to say hi, you can come onto our Instagram page, hearts and buttholes. You can email us <laughs> hearts and buttholes at gmail.com. That's with an A-N-D, not an ampersand. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's another one with the ampersand. There's not. There's no other hearts yeah. and buttholes. There's other buttholes. Centric. We it's, would love to hear from you. Um, it means the world to us that y'all are spending your time with us. And I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.